0: Symphony of Shadows, Second Movement, Yome Distel, Twisting Rivers, Phrase Four. Woods allowed himself to take a deep breath before taking over the comms from Cybel. This was going to be a tricky negotiation and he would need to command the full arsenal of his guile if they were going to make it out of this alive. Captain, he began respectfully, Cybele and I would like to extend our apologies for the misunderstanding our parties have shared. Luckily, Cybele was muted because he made a noise that was hard to misinterpret. Whatever reason you had to run on Providence, I would like to hear it. Cybele gave Woods a disbelieving look but he had always found listening was the way to begin with a the negotiation. There was silence on the line for several moments, and Woods feared they had been disconnected. He was about to say something when a voice he hadn't heard in years came on the line. Is that you, Captain Woods? Amira Zuru? It was Woods' turn to be silent. You're dead, was all he could manage to respond. Well, That's news to me. Might be we're both dead then. Woods managed an uncomfortable chuckle. You were on the Dawnbreaker, he said more to himself. Many questions he'd long ago stopped asking himself resurfaced. Is Nebu with you? Who are you talking to? asked Cybele, but Woods ignored him. Yes, he is, and we're happy to know you're here. It's been a while since we've had a visit from a friend. This changed everything. Amira and Nebu mostly worked together during the war, but there were times when they needed support, and Woods often filled that role. They had fought with one another, lost in mourn comrades in the bloody days of the Succession War. You'd need to convince the others to trust me, Amira. You must see that our predicament requires we work together. You should have thought about that before you shot Switch, berated Amira. It was against my wishes, responded Woods. That is not comforting. If you can't control your companion... Oh, we trust you, Woods. It's Cybele we don't trust, or your ability to keep him in line, said Amira. Knox betrayed him and the rest of the pirates. You can't blame him for wanting revenge. I am here, though, and I am willing to listen, and so is Cybele. Red betrayed us as well, and at this point I think we're all just trying to survive. Wait a minute, said Amira, and the line went silent. Nox came on the line. What happened with Red? We don't know. She stole a Nova suit and attacked our group. Last we saw she went under the river, but never came back up. I think she may be dead, but Cybele is not so certain. Seems like you have a suit of your own. Have you checked for her location? Yes, but there's no signal. The suit location system is either dead, off, or damaged. I'm inclined to agree with Cybele, then, said Knox. I doubt we've seen the last of her. Then we shouldn't waste any more time. I propose a truce. On my word, we will not harm you. We are all of us stuck here. Let us take a ride on your ship back to the Firefox, and we can all get out of this together. How can we trust you? asked Knox. I don't know you. But Amira and Nebu do. Ask them. The line went silent again. We have terms, said Knox. What are they? asked Woods, bracing himself. You and Sibel can join. We only have space for a couple more, especially with Switch's injury. He needs medical attention and Cybele's crew will lay us down. You'll both hand over your weapons to us. We'll rendezvous with the firefox and send ships back to rescue the remaining crew. We have someone injured as well, said Woods. May we take him aboard? Knox considered. We can find space for him. There's more. Gerta, my chief mate, is still below in the caverns. She was hurt in the explosion and couldn't follow us. While we make our way back to the firefox, I need Cybele's men to help dig her out. Give me a moment. Woods muted the line. I can make this work, he looked at Cybele. In the Nova suit, he was actually taller than the cyborg. It was a small thing, but height instinctually equated with power in the mind. It gave him the confidence to look upon Cybele's mangled face unflinchingly. But you will need to go with them alone. Cybele tilted his head slightly. How's that? It would be foolish to leave the Nova suit or hand it over to them. If Gerta is stuck and we are able to rescue her, she can be used as leverage. If we're lucky, it will give your men time to search the river and capture Red as well. And you want me to make myself a prisoner? Not seeing how that works out for me. I think your gun is the key to this, he pointed to Cybele's holstered pistol. It was that gun and this odd crystal that brought us all here. They specifically asked for our weapons— which is a little odd to ask for so early in the negotiations. If Amira and Nebu are here, I would bet Knox and his group know how to get back, and your weapon may be the key. Leave your pistol here, with your crew, and see how they react. And when they torture me for information, growled Saibel, they won't, not if we have Goethe. They won't touch you as long as we have her. Saibel smiled. I see. And what? I leave command of my crew to you. They won't listen to me. Give someone else the command, but our objectives must be clear. Rescue Goethe, Capture Red. Hold position for pickup. We can use our comms to update you. You hear that, Derby? Asked Cybele. What's that, sir? Rescue Goethe? Capture Red. Wait for pickup. Smell anything funny and you have my permission to engage as you see fit. Cybele smiled wolfishly. You're in command. Consider it done. We'll see you soon, sir. So I have your permission to proceed, Captain, said Woods. Rain was still coming down in sheets, but Woods was protected by the suit. It was important to cede to Cybele's authority in this moment. He would be putting his life at risk. The decision had to lie with him. Cybele didn't hesitate. Proceed. Woods unmuted his line. If your chief mate is injured and trapped, it makes more sense if I stay and use the suit to support, especially if we come across red. You'll take Lieutenant Rashid, our injured man. His back is broken, and you will seek treatment for him immediately. The captain will carry the lieutenant and hand over his weapons to you. We will hold here and update you on our progress. Woods was careful to frame his argument around protection. Both sides had men that needed medical attention, both sides were scared and confused. Both sides wanted to get out of this alive. It was some time before they responded. Woods waited patiently. They had long since stopped running toward Knox and his group. Woods realized they would likely need to head back down those stairs. Damn, I wish these thrusters still worked, thought Woods. It'd be so convenient to just fly down. You'll have yourself a deal, Woods. Knox said over the comms, sending coordinates for pickup. Knox disconnected the call. Woods's HUD placed a waypoint a kilometer or two away. It was hard to tell with the mountain and the path itself unknown. Cybele would have no trouble, though, with his mechanical legs. Cybele removed his weapons and handed them to one of his crew. He made a point of this, giving Woods a stare. They said nothing but the message was clear. If the pistol was the key... Cybele would not trust Woods with it. Woods imagined Cybele was wondering if he himself was being manipulated. It was an expected reaction from someone who had been used and damaged his whole life. He will come to learn, thought Woods. I will show them all a new path. Cybele took Lieutenant Rashid from Woods. The captain had no trouble holding the large man in his robotic arms. Cybele, unsentimental, started out at a run without another word. The rain was starting to slow, but a fog was settling in, making it hard to see. So close to the mountain, his other sensors were not working properly. It almost felt like he was drunk. Cybele had no memory of how being drunk felt, but it was like nothing else he could describe. Cybele was surprised to find a road. It was overgrown some, but a clear way forward in the direction he was trying to go. The fog continued thickening into a creamy green and purple as it mixed with the surrounding colors. Light tried and failed to slice through the vapor. Sybil's journey was shorter than he had expected, and soon he came to a kind of entrance. A broken arch welcomed him into a plaza that must have been columned at one time. The cylindrical stone mostly lay on the ground like fallen trees. Stop right there came Knox's voice from the fog. Cybele could see a laser pointed at the right side of his chest. It was a deliberate target. Knox must have known where Cybele hid his power supply. It was well protected and would likely withstand a few shots from his rifle, but it was still unsettling. Another red target lit up his forehead. I want to shoot you so bad right now. Cybele recognized that voice as well. The woman, Jazz. Likewise, he responded. But I come unarmed. Unarmed? asked Knox, unable to hide his surprise. Woods was right, thought Cybele. He wondered if he was being played by Woods. It was likely, but it felt different somehow. Different from Sornois, anyway. But he couldn't quite place how. Figured I'd save you the trouble. It's hidden somewhere, only I know. You're welcome to check. I can't be much trouble so long as I'm holding the injured lieutenant. Rashid had passed out some time ago. He's still alive, if you can believe that. Barely. Sibel thought it would be good to create some urgency. Jazz, said Knox. Meet my sights, That's where he keeps his power supply. I'll search him. Knox approached carefully, both hands on his rifle, pulled up to his shoulder. Once he drew close enough, he dropped the rifle. Knox searched Cybele thoroughly. He considered making a joke, but decided against it. He didn't think giving the bitch any more reason to shoot him was a good idea. He could survive a shot pretty much anywhere, but it would be a pain to do repairs later. Her finger was on the trigger, and it looked itchy. Knox moved over to the lieutenant and searched him as well, but found nothing. He nodded to Jazz and said, "Wit time for pickup. The remaining members of Knox's group emerged. There was the injured man, helped by two haggard-looking people, a man and a woman a little older than Woods. What should I do with him? Cybele looked down to the lieutenant. Well done to him. Sheep will be here in a minute or so. Cybele shrugged and waited. He shifted the lieutenant around so the man's head protected Cybele's power supply. Jazz still had her rifle trained on him, but now a shot would kill the lieutenant. She sneered at Cybele and begrudgingly lowered her weapon. Am I going to have to tie you up, Captain? asked Knox. I can probably break out of anything you have on board, traitor. Probably not worth the effort. I am not a traitor, said Knox. Cybele realized he'd hit a soft spot and decided it was worth pressing a thumb into the wound. You never really were one of us. You're too high and mighty. Son of a legend, you know what you really are, though? Your father's fading shadow. You weren't even his true son. Cybele laughed derisively. <laughs> you are abandoned trash, scooped up and sculpted into something pretty. Cybele lowered his head and whispered into Nox's ear. Pretty to look at, but still made of shit. One of the benefits of being a cyborg was the ability to do this sort of provoking without any real consequence. They couldn't kill him. Even if they wanted to hurt him, it wouldn't matter because he felt nothing. He wouldn't bleed. Knox's eyes glinted like steel as the ship landed behind him. He did not lash out, but instead turned his attention to Jazz. Hey Jazz, now that I think about it, with us and the lieutenant here, I'm not so sure we'll have enough space for everyone inside the ship. I think you might be right, agreed Jazz. What a predicament. What are we going to do? she asked mockingly. If only one of us could be safely latched to the top of the ship. But Knox, no human could survive something like that. Cybele frowned and silently cursed his brashness. He loaded the lieutenant into a bunk. Jazz had pulled out the med kit and quickly attended to the injured man named Switch. She shot painkillers into his leg and stapled both the entry and exit wounds from the bullet. She handed him some water and moved him into a bunk below the lieutenant. Knox pointed outside to Cybele. Well, Knox motioned with his gun to the top of the ship. What are you waiting for? Cybele growled and grudgingly climbed to the top of the ship. There were sturdy rails he was able to clamp onto. He also magnetized his limbs, providing extra stability. He should be fine so long as they didn't have to perform any fancy aerobatics. Are you secure? Knox's voice came over the comms. He didn't wait for Cybele to answer as the ship lifted off. Once they were far enough away from the mountain, Cybele's sensors returned to normal, and he could see again with the clarity of a camera lens. They were headed southwest, The ship ascended to 30,000 feet, picking up speed once they were above the clouds. He looked up at space, hoping he could make out the situation above. He'd received no message from the steel stallion, which he took for a positive sign. They were certainly orbiting, but he could see nothing. Cybele turned his attention ahead, where motion caught his eye. Did you see that? He asked Knox. What? Knox asked. Cybele scanned ahead, reaching out for a connection. Normally, there was so much noise with all the technology that surrounded him, but this planet was quiet. It allowed him to pick up on faint changes, and he could almost smell another ship, and it smelled like red, probably a scout. We're about to be attacked, he said calmly. Radar isn't picking anything up, Captain, said Knox, We're in stealth mode. No way they could find us. Chalk it up to bad luck. I don't think we were followed. Just run into them accidentally. "'Check port, leeward. Fifty-one clicks, heading north.' "'Shit,' said Knox. "'They have an angle on us. Prepare for attack.' "'So much for no aerobatics,' Cybele moaned to himself, as the ship veered hard to starboard. His body was yanked sideways, his magnetic limbs slid and almost disconnected. His hands were still clamped to the rail, but too much of that and something was bound to break or cause him to disengage. He needed this to end quickly.' I think it would be a great time for those material guns, Sybel said. The enemy ship burst through the cloud and started to shoot at them. Sybel ducked closer to the ship, making himself a smaller target. Now, he shouted. No bullets, replied Knox. What? Roared Sibel. If this dragged on, he was going to die. It would take too many laser shots to bring their shield down, and a considerable amount of maneuvering in the air. Pass by as close as you can. Why? asked Knox, Do you want us to crash into them? No, I want to crash into them. You're insane, said Knox. Do it, ordered Cybele. He felt the ship's course change. His systems made the calculations. Force, velocity, momentum, angles. He allowed the system to adjust his body position and magnetic outputs. Everything automated. The ship was getting close. Cybele's body jumped like a frog, springing forward with computational precision. Immediately, his magnetic limbs engaged as he slapped down on a wing of the hostile ship. He took one glance at the cockpit and noticed they were looking at him with horror. It meant they had no time to react as his hand morphed into a claw and pierced through the wing and into the engine below. Cybele disengaged the magnets in his feet and jumped up and away. He watched from above as the wing exploded, sending the ship into a spinning death trap. The pilots did the only thing they could do. Eject. Might be they get word back to Red's fleet. He couldn't let that happen. The cockpit burst away and two chairs thrust upwards and away from the wreckage. Cybele positioned himself under the first, ripping off the person's helmet easily and stabbing his throat. The second had drifted far away in that brief moment, though so Cybele held to the seat, bending over to grab the dead pilot's sidearm. It was nothing special, but would serve his purpose. He angled the chair closer to the pilot and targeted him, waiting until the parachute bloomed outward. Cybele targeted the pilot and unloaded the pistol at the poor bastard. Once Cybele was certain the pilot was dead, he tossed the pistol away and jumped from the chair and engaged the boosters in his legs. The right one fired as expected, but the left sputtered and died as a warning appeared on his HUD with a malfunction code. Ready for pickup, Cybele said coolly into the comms as he gained altitude. There was no answer, and he could not sense their ship. He feared they had left him to crash into the planet and call it an accident when they rendezvoused with Woods. A moment later, the ship appeared behind him. They had slowed but were coming in fast. Rabon, said Knox as if it were that easy. Cybele's systems made the calculations. It was possible, but not ideal. Reduce speed to exactly 325.64 kilometers an hour. Cybele readied himself, trying not to look at the ground rushing up at him. The ship had to grab him at a downward angle and then pull up quickly. It gave him only a couple seconds to stabilize or he'd be thrown off with no time for the ship to make another pass. He was tempted to take control from his systems, trusting himself to make the move, but then decided against it. He had to trust the automated systems. The ship pulled in at a perfect speed and Cybele's magnetic limbs engaged while his hands slapped down and around the railing, locking into place. Whoever was flying the ship was a skilled pilot. He doubted it was that woman, Jazz. She was too rough to be this graceful. The ship pulled up, but Cybele barely moved, secured in place. Attachment successful, he said to the comms. You are fucking insane, said Jazz over the comms. And you best remember that, Cybele said. Over and out, he cut the comms. Symphony of Shadows is a production of Synapse Radio. Written, produced, and performed by J.S. Rose. Follow us on Instagram at Synapse Radio and Twitter at Connect2Synapse. That's the number two. Or visit our website for all things awesome. Synapse-radio.com